Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. He koonai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Somewhere in Nelson, in a box tucked away with some books that haven't seen the light of day since they were packed up during the Christchurch earthquakes, is a bit of paper. And written on it is something that's pretty important to all of us. I have New Zealand's first pandemic plan on the back of an envelope that we wrote with the Australians at a conference in Cairns in 1996. That's Lance Jennings, a clinical virologist. Following that, both Australia and New Zealand got together to develop a regional Australasian pandemic preparedness plan and then New Zealand moved forwards on its own. Do you still have that, that envelope? Yes, I do. That's a historical document then? Uh, And so New Zealand's first major strategy for dealing with pandemics was born. We're going to come back to that. For now, though, let's look at how that scrap of paper might come in handy. So we'll fast forward to the news headlines of 2009. David Bain is about to be retried for the murders of five family members. Hawke's Bay farmers are in the grip of a drought. But on the horizon, a new global story is hovering. The World Health Organisation says it's worried the swine flu virus will spread within southern hemisphere countries as they head into the winter flu season. The biggest question right now is this. How severe will the pandemic be? A leading virologist is warning New Zealanders that a more deadly strain of flu, which killed six children in Brisbane last winter, could be on its way here. I'm Katie Gossett, and this episode of Eyewitness is about the swine flu pandemic of 2009 and 2010 a story that comes to dominate world headlines and one that will ultimately have an impact here too. He came home from work, but I didn't realise what it was. I I thought it was cold. And um, he got sick. This is Christchurch woman Julie Lovegrove talking about her husband, Lou. To me, it was just a blur. We went to the hospital each night and it was like a roller coaster. He looked as though he was getting better and then he didn't and then he looked. <laughs> it was just this roller coaster of getting better, no, yes, no, yes, no. And then I suppose he'd been in there about a fortnight when I realised he just wasn't coming out. We'll hear more of Julie's story in a moment, but first, the flu itself. What is this new virus that seems to be everywhere? Word is just coming through from Texas that a Texas woman with the new H1N1 swine flu died earlier this week. Swine flu samples confirmed swine flu cases. Vaccine against swine flu. It was originally called the Mexican flu. Lance Jennings again. But that was politically unacceptable. 
So it was then commonly known as swine flu because we believe it emerged from pigs. Hence the name. But it is actually what's known as a triple reassortant virus, which contains genes from other sources. Rare genetic material from avian species, human and two pig lineages. So it's a composite virus. But by crossing those barriers to affect humans, it ceases to be true swine flu and becomes known as... Influenza type A, H1N1, BDM 2009, a pandemic virus. Also keeping an eye on the new flu is Wellington public health professor and epidemiologist Michael Baker. This really hit home in New Zealand on Anzac Day. The World Health Organisation declared the outbreak of novel pandemic H1N1 influenza to be a public health emergency of international concern. But in New Zealand, on that same day, a general practitioner identified cases of influenza-like illness in a group of high school students who just returned from a three-week trip to Mexico, and nine of them were later confirmed as our first cases. But the thing about this new flu is it's not quite what we've been expecting. For a decade, the world had been preparing for a different influenza pandemic, an H5N1 avian influenza pandemic. Michael Baker thought it would start in Southeast Asia or China because there had been scares there in the 90s. And in fact, the influenza we got was a very different one, H1N1, and it came from the Americas, and I think no one saw that coming. The upshot is that New Zealand somehow ends up as one of the first countries in the world to experience swine flu. Health authorities move quickly to isolate those first students and contain the virus, and things go quiet for a bit. But then... A steadily rising number of New Zealanders are dying from swine flu as the new virus continues to sweep the world. The first wave of swine flu in New Zealand ramps up in late May 2009, carries on through June and peaks in July. At this stage, Lance Jennings is pretty busy. He's running the virology service at Canterbury Health Laboratories. They were long hours, and then, of course, on top of that, you'd have teleconferences as well to keep up with what is going on internationally. The number of cases grows, and with it, the need for more contact tracing. There are public health initiatives whereby people who've been overseas can't go back to work or school until they've been screened. And all of this... Put a lot of pressure on the laboratory systems, the public health systems as well. During a, a pandemic situation, you have staff getting sick as well. And of course, New Zealand's pandemic plan has kicked in. Remember those first notes Lance Jennings jotted down on the back of an envelope? Now he's advising the Ministry of Health on how to activate the plan. The pandemic plan was first established in 97, and since that time it has been a living document. What that means is that as outbreaks happen, for example avian flu and SARS, the lessons learned get added into it. The plan also includes a worst-case scenario based on the devastating influenza pandemic of 1918. It killed about 9,000 people in New Zealand alone in a two-month period. Lance Jennings estimates close to 50 million people died worldwide. Swine flu or influenza A, H1N1, PDM 2009, falls short of that impact instead affecting most of the population at a level a bit more like seasonal influenza. But some aren't so fortunate. He was about number 15, I think, 14 or 15. 
In July 2009, Julie's husband Lou Lovegrove is 54 and working as a bus driver. And we assume that's where he got it from. And my kids, I've got two kids, the three of us got it. We were fine. He just sort of slowly got worse and worse. Doctors put Lou on a ventilator and into an induced coma for a week and then slowly bring him back out. But then he slips back into a coma. Julie learns that her husband, who also had lung problems, has suffered a stroke. She still doesn't know if it's the virus that caused the stroke or if the two things happened simultaneously. But Lou doesn't recover. The whole body's just collapsed, basically. The virus enters lungs. He, um, his internal organs slowly failed. And they called me in and said his heart's going. And they wanted to take him off for life support. I talked over the kids. And we said yes. About an hour later he died. It was so quick. (laughs) Pretty dramatic, yeah. It was so unexpected. It was from about three, three and a half weeks from the time he got sick. Till he died. But the pandemic isn't over yet, and it comes back in 2010 for another round. So the virus was effectively mopping up those people who had not been affected in, in 2009. Lance Jennings. And yes, we've continued to see more severe outcomes with patients needing hospitalisation, needing respiratory support, and sadly dying from 2010. One of those hit hard in the second wave is Christchurch woman Jo Hockham, who panics when she discovers she has swine flu. I felt like I was going to die when I found out. That's when things escalated for me because people were getting really sick and you can die of it. She's advised to go home and self-isolate and keep her germs to herself. But that's not so easy in Christchurch. This is September 2010, if that sounds familiar. And there are some other things going on. I was self-isolated and my husband was in the spare room and there was a massive, massive earthquake and he came in. He said, we need to get out. Living near the sea, Jo and her family have to evacuate because of concerns about a tsunami. And so they drive up a hill to spend the night in their car. And I was freezing, so I was shivering because I didn't have enough clothes on for my um, fevers that I was having. (laughs) So it wasn't an ideal time. Ministry of Health figures show 49 New Zealanders die of swine flu in 2009 and a further 20 people by late 2010. But Lance Jennings says information gained during the outbreak has been added into the national plan. For example, clinicians discover that swine flu is related to a previous influenza, which means many older people already have antibodies and aren't as severely affected. It turns out that those most at risk are younger people, and particularly children and pregnant women. This enables health authorities to target those groups with free flu jabs, which by early 2010 include the swine flu strain. On the whole, Lance Jennings says New Zealand has responded to the outbreak extremely well. We had a pandemic plan. We had a good knowledge base of what was going on internationally. And in a lot of respects, knowledge is power. 
With that information, health authorities were able to prepare the public for what was to come. They needed to know what hand and respiratory hygiene was to protect themselves. They needed to have adequate food and water if they had to quarantine themselves. And so community resilience was communicated at that time. All key lessons as New Zealand gears up to face its next pandemic. This episode of Eyewitness was produced by me, Katie Gossett, with technical assistance from Alex Harmer. Justin Gregory is the executive producer of Eyewitness and Tim Watkin, the executive producer of podcasts and series. You can find more stories from Eyewitness and other RNZ podcasts like The Widows of Shuhada at rnz.co.nz or go to Apple, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.